0: And then when the destruction comes, often it happens to us, right? And so we're like, you lost my job or my partner broke up with me or, you know, suffering loss. And then it moves us into creation and into evolution and into sort of self-inquiry. And, and then we go back into maintenance because everything feels good again. And we feel really comfortable and we like maintenance. So we stay there. And so part of the sort of the thinking around it is, can we almost not avoid destruction because it's going to come in any way that's relevant for us. But can we be so aware that destruction is there? And so if there's ways that we can proactively move ourselves into creation.
1: You're listening to This Life Explains It All with
2: the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Katherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world.
1: On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you.
2: We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys. It's Kat and Stefania. Welcome to This Life Explains It All podcast. Today, we're recording long distance as usual. I'm in San Francisco, California.
1: And I am in Sydney, Australia.
2: I'm so excited for our episode today.
1: Yes, I am very excited. Today, we're talking to Allison Rice, an award-winning leader in media and a conscious creator. You may have heard of her as the publisher of Women's Lifestyle at Allure Media, where she led Pop Sugar. In 2015, Allison launched the highly successful Who, What, Where, Birdie, and My Domain brands in Australia.
2: Yeah, she took the leap from what many would consider a dream job to go off on her own and do something that was more aligned to her authentic self, what felt like her calling, and what she wanted to bring into the world. So with that, Allison founded Offline, a brand devoted to helping us remember who we really are and connect at a deeper level with ourselves. Kat, one of the things that's been helping us this past week connect with ourselves has been our journal exercises that we've been doing together.
1: Yes, they've been great. It's funny because the questions that we had, the journal prompts from last week, which were um, the three things you're grateful for One thing that you're most proud of from the day before and what you're most excited for for the day ahead have been really helpful in just reflecting and noticing the little things, I'd say. Because you don't, I don't know, I don't really think from the day before of something that I'm proud of on a daily basis. So I think that those prompts really helped me to just bring to light some of the little things that I've done that I am proud of.
2: Yeah. Cause I feel like every day, like, you know, there's such a mix of different kind of experiences and maybe emotions that are going through the day, but really every day and really, especially now, like we are always accomplishing, you know, growing, doing something in some way to make us different, better, more evolved than the day before. But we don't recognize that because it just feels like it's just what we do or it's just normal. Exactly. Do you ever find yourself in situations where you're talking about something and you just can't even believe the words that have come out of your mouth in a good way where you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize like I had that insight. I didn't even realize I had that knowledge, but you just find it flowing through you. Have you ever had that kind of experience?
1: Yeah. Where you're
2: like, oh wow, I, I know that.
1: <laughs> yes. I think especially with journaling, that happens with me. Cause you're when you write, you're using a different part of your brain. So if I'm asked a question when I'm journaling, like it's like my hand is on not controlled. It's really weird. Exactly.
2: Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like it flows out in that same way where you're like, oh wow. Like I didn't even realize that I had that inside of me.
1: Yes. It's crazy. And that's why I truly believe in the power of the practice because that doesn't happen when I'm just thinking about it or talking. It happens when I write. What are some things that have come out for you?
2: Well, one of the things that was in the journal prompts was around something I'm looking forward to the next day, which I think is really, really important to recognize. And we've shared a little bit about this, but this is one of the things that came out of blue zone research was that, which are the places in the world that are happiest, highest quality of life. There are five blue zones in the world. And one of the four shared traits of all of these spaces, of all of these areas was they have something to look forward to. So all four, if you're curious, were someone to love, something to do, something to look forward to, and something to give back. But I think sometimes we overlook something to look forward to. So in my exercises this week, I actually use that as like an opportunity to reframe something. So one day last week, I had a super, super busy day of meetings that were kind of High stakes that I had to do a lot of prep work for. And it was a big day of, you know, back to back more than I normally have of really important external meetings. And I was stressed out about it and thinking about, you know, I hope that I'm going to crush it at all of these. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to crush it, but I was feeling a little bit of stress. And through the exercise, I thought, actually, you know, like, let's reframe this. I'm looking forward to doing this because. I get to do it. Like I worked so hard to be able to have meetings like this that I want to think about this in a different way and remember that I worked really hard to get to that and I'm excited about it. And so that was really helpful for me too and gave me a totally different perspective to go into that day with because I realize I am really grateful that I have that opportunity, even if it can feel stressful.
1: Yeah, that's so good. The reframing is really important.
2: I like what you said about nerves and excitement earlier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that's another example of how you can reframe. Like when you're nervous about something, it means that you care and it just means that you're excited. Like you're really excited about it. That's why you feel those nerves. And I remember my dad always telling me that he was like, if I ever go into a meeting and I don't feel nervous, then I'm going to be pretty worried because that means I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. So, so I yeah. love that because now when I feel nervous... I get excited because I'm like, I'm a, that means I'm excited about this, but it also means that I care a lot about the outcome of of this meeting or this presentation or whatever it is. So I think it's a really good thing.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like, I'm going to definitely take that with me from your dad. I hadn't heard it before you shared it just now, but I feel like I'm going to take that with me. Like, wow, like I'm nervous. Like I must really care. Like I'm living, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. this is what it's like to be alive. So Mm -hmm. I love that.
1: Yeah. And it's not the most pleasant feeling, but you know, once you go into it and you start, you know, getting into the meeting. Once you dry off
2: the sweat that's coming out of every crevice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You dry (laughs) off the sweat, you calm down. You go to the bathroom.
2: Um, That was relatable though. All right. Let's get into the conversation with Allison because it's really good. This conversation is really good. Allison has so much wisdom. She's really an inspiration for anyone that's thinking about making a transition in their career or life is thinking about what they can offer in a different way she's great and you know one of those interviews that i mean we're lucky we have this experience with a lot of our guests but one of those experiences where like the interview time flew by and felt like it was like a minute i know all right so let's get into the conversation so in this conversation Allison shares her experience of leaving a dream job in a leadership position to going off on her own to launch her own conscious brand. She talks about what it actually means to be our authentic self and how we can rediscover it. She talks about what it actually means to be our authentic self and
1: how we can rediscover it. She talks about what happens when you don't do what's aligned with your true purpose. Let's get into it. Right, Welcome to the podcast, Allison. We're so happy to have you on. I've been following you for a while now, and I almost feel like I know you because of how authentic you are on your own podcast. So it's really an honor to have you on. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I haven't
0: really been doing any other interviews, I have to say, like for the last 18 months, I've politely declined A lot of just great opportunities, which I've been grateful for, but I haven't really felt like I've had anything to say that I'm not already saying on my own podcast, I guess. That's an interesting thing in itself. But now that I am sort of evolving offline and, and the offering, yeah, I'm really honored to talk about it actually. And thank you for extending the invitation.
1: We'd love to start out by talking about offline and why you started that. I know that you've had such a successful career as a publisher at Allure Media and really took a leap to go off on your own. What was that moment for you when you knew it was time to leave Allure and start offline?
0: Yeah, it's been a really long time since I've spoken about this. So again, it's like, it's actually really nice to sort of revisit this now that I'm sort of moving into the next phase of my business. You know, I probably knew about 12 months before I left. And that was a big learning for me in itself. And if there's anyone listening that has that sort of, you know, that fine level of feeling that's coming through to say, hey, I think I've sort of, this isn't serving me anymore. I'd follow that a bit sooner. I think I was scared to go because the realization that I had was I didn't know how to talk about myself without talking about what I did and any conversation I was in all I could really do was talk about my job. And, you know, I've always kind of been spiritually and sort of expressed in that sense, but I'd, I felt like I'd really lost that connection to the essence of who I am or at that point who I was. So I sat with that for about a year, which seems to be quite common with me actually, because even with the launch of self-study, that's taken about a year as well. So, but I had a really an amazing CEO and I learned an incredible amount from him I loved working with him and I also loved my team I mean I was leading pop sugar and who what wear and birdie in my domain so they were my favorite brands so in many respects I had the dream boss and the dream job and so that was really hard to say well, maybe there's nothing wrong here you know if it ain't broke don't fix it but When that sort of initial year of feeling that way passed, I realized I'd probably waited a little bit too long. And then it became extremely clear that I needed to go. And a big part of my courage to do that came from um, having mentored my then to IC to a point where I believe she was very ready as well. So I think that's the other thing is when you're very invested, particularly in a startup culture, startup business, when you're very invested in the success of the business after you leave, you want to leave it in really good hands, and I felt like I was doing that. And my CEO was very encouraging. You know, I share this a bit. I cried a lot, and I would really encourage women to sort of lean into that in those situations. Like an expression of an emotion like that, I think is really important. And um, he held that really well in the room. But again, credit to his his leadership. So there's a lot of tears, a lot of realizations, and and I guess in that entire year, I was thinking about going the concept of true self broadly. And then perhaps the idea of a podcast was sort of bubbling away. And that really is a big part of my creative process is when an idea comes through, is kind of holding it in consciousness for as long as it needs to be held there before I sort of start thinking about execution. And um, it would have been, you know, maybe I want to say four to six months before I left that I actually started working on it. And then towards the end, I really was doing two jobs because I was in full production, building a website, all of that stuff, as well as leading a team of 20 women and four websites. And <laughs> But that's not uncommon for me. I mean, I'm very ambitious.
2: Wow. I wonder, you know, you have this incredible job that you love that so many, you know, would love to have, but really just even that you loved so much and loved who you worked with. I wonder what was going on for you personally throughout that period of time where you came into maybe an awareness that you wanted to do something else. Were you doing anything in terms of practices or did you begin thinking about your life differently during that period? You know, sometimes we think, you know, I took up a I don't know, meditation practice. And then I started knowing myself more. Were there things like that happening for you that guided the transition?
0: Mm, Not at that point, actually. I think Really what was coming up for me at that point was, so I I loved the brands. I loved the business. I'd been there for eight years. It was my family, you know. I had an incredible run in the leadership role that I was in and I achieved a lot. And, you know, I was very subscribed to like awards as a measure of success, right? So I was just trying to get all the awards and be all the things. Mm -hmm. And so I was very externally referenced, very externally motivated. Really what came up for me around the time I wanted to think about or I was thinking about moving on Really was more about the state of media, if I'm honest, because mm. I am a traditionally trained journalist, and mm. I place a lot of value on you know great storytelling. And where digital media was at at that time was you know we were running multiple global brands, We had sat out of programmatic advertising by choice because it was a bit of a race to the bottom at that point. And so that meant that the shape of our business really was in branded content. And so that is a lot for an editorial team to wear in terms of having to hold the size of an audience that the market was buying, the type of stories you have to create in order to reach those millions of people. And then the sort of stories that we were being asked to execute on the commercial side, which I felt was kind of like integrity wise, it wasn't sitting very well with me. Like I had that sort of church and state belief, but we weren't running our business that way. So really what was coming up for me was I actually can no longer physically and emotionally do this because I don't believe in the thing that we are being asked to do. Mm. I believe in the leadership. I believe in the brands. But in order for the business to be successful, we have to sell women a bunch of stuff that they don't actually need. So I'm telling you to buy the lipsticks and buy the shoes and look at these workouts and a lot of you know if you have a background in editorial so a lot of what unfortunately worked at that time and i say that in past tense was those sort of negative headlines of here are all mm. the things you're not and here's what you should do to be better mm. and so i started to feel really uncomfortable with having to lead an editorial strategy around asking women to consume media that was making them feel Not good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't really about a particular practice that I took up because, again, I feel like I've always been quite spiritually expressed. So I have been always on, I guess, with doing that sort of self inquiry. And, you know, at a time that was kind of coming through for me with some crystal work, which has now become irrelevant to me, but I'm sure it might come back. I was seeing a healer of mine, Jeannie um, Burke, who owns Benustus in Paddington. She's the first episode of Offline my first guest. So she was helping me work through a lot of my Pollyanna syndrome of this kind of disease to please and, you know, must remain this kind of pioneering female in digital media. And it was all about the role I was playing. So I kind of had those things always going on. And that's really what helped me sort of move into the role of leader and sort of define myself as a leader. But this particular, the moving on thing was like, you know how much longer am i going to put my journalistic integrity on the line and my own personal reputation i think this is an interesting thing for women in particular because we have this you know very innate sort of need to nurture and please and serve it's always trying to understand what is the ambition and the agenda behind the service and Part of what was coming through for me was not wanting to disappoint my boss and disappoint my team or certainly our global team because I really looked up to them and I've established some incredible relationships with those women. So um, a big part of it was moving out of like how do I sort of self-preservation, right, like protect myself because if I stay on this path, you know, I do think a lot about legacy, like what do you want to be known for? Is this it? Mm -hmm. Like is this it? And so I couldn't control the market you know i couldn't make them buy a different way i couldn't make them want a quality audience over reach i couldn't you know i couldn't ask every other competitor to start tracking their numbers accurately there's all these things that were out of my control and so what really came through was you've got to go and work on something that is more closely aligned to the essence of who you are and what you fundamentally believe in and then sort of offline really started to take shape in this sort of sense of like, who are we as, um, it started as women, but now I'm like, this is for people. This is for everyone. Mm. Who are we outside of the followings and the labels and, you know, the email signature and all of those awards. And how do we identify with this sort of concept of, of true self? Like without it all, do we have anything left to say? And I was like, oh fuck, I don't,
1: you know? (laughs) And so that's
0: kind of been my, um, my journey, I guess, over the last, and I'm now going into season five, so, which is wild.
1: And what did it feel like in those first weeks, months of going into something that was more in alignment with you? You know, there are so many titles that you had, you were in a leadership position, you had multiple awards. What did it feel like after you moved away from all of that to do your own thing?
0: Yeah, I think the first word that comes up for me is exposing you know, I had played the role of digital pioneer, female, young female leader for a really long time. And so shedding that and sort of presenting myself from an essence level, I felt pretty exposed. I felt quite vulnerable. But part of the way I moved through that was, you know, what I'm asking or what I, my intention was to ask the listener to move into vulnerability And so in order to achieve that, I needed to be vulnerable myself. And so I think a lot of people, even my friends, actually, certainly my colleagues, a lot of people really heard me for the first time in those early episodes. And that's been an interesting journey in itself is, you know, how much did I lie? And what was my responsibility in the relationships that I cultivated professionally, you know, of me not actually being my true self and And then what happens to those relationships when that foundation is gone of who they think you are and, and what they think you are certainly. So lots has changed in that sense, professionally, like who I, you know, choose to surround myself with and what I choose to engage with. Whereas before in women's media, like, and I talk about that as like glossy women's media, very stylized, you know, very produced it was all more 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 go to the events consume all the products like launch things do this do that and so part of and i actually just had a conversation with an old colleague and she said to me i remember you always had a post it note on your computer that said slow intentional and i actually didn't remember that because that is really my creative mantra is slow intentional deliberate and so it's been interesting to sort of move myself creatively into a slower deeper place. Whereas before, you know, so much of our day was just like multiple whips and audience meetings and strategy meetings and responding to briefs. And it was like every minute was eaten up by a task. Whereas now I can go entire days where I'm just holding something in consciousness and just like thinking, you know, it's such a Mm -hmm. different way of being in, in the world, certainly a bit of creating as well
2: how have you evolved your thinking around where you you know i'll use the word get you know that validation from because you express something that really you know hit home for me in a lot of the conversations that i have especially with young women that we feel oftentimes that our validation is associated with like you know the accolades we're getting and we want to you know uh, make our boss happy make our colleagues happy and transitioning from that world to, you know, doing something on your own where you don't really have anyone else to validate you aside from yourself, which is probably a good thing. What did that transition look like for you?
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting you say that sort of um the wanting to make people happy. Uh, I did like, I mean, I'm always kind of in therapy in some way, shape or form. But um I was in intense therapy for about 18 months before I left work. And I actually went for something entirely different. But Trust me to choose a therapist that's also like a CEO coach. Okay. So she just saw the leader trapped, like trapped in there. Uh-huh. And she was just like, let's. And I'm like, no, I want to talk about my anxious attachment. And she was like, no, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna do the professional stuff first. So I stayed with her for I think about 18 months, maybe a bit less. And what she really defined for me was this Pollyanna syndrome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I kind of love talking about that because so it exists in all of us, and particularly based on how you've been raised. And what you've been told to sort of believe about yourself and your own capabilities. We're always in this point of like proving, proving, proving. Mm-hmm. And again, I go back to like, what is the shape of our ambition? Because mm-hmm. if you really start to think about what is behind, what is the driver behind the thing that you're doing? For me, it was all about going to make this. And he was a man, right? Something in that too. Mm-hmm. that stuff, maybe, Yeah, you know, I've got to please this man and he's this authority and he's given me this goal and I'm very grateful for this opportunity and I must show that I am like mm-hmm. worth it. Like, fuck, no, I worked so hard.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> You know what I mean? I was very deserving of that role, but I yeah. didn't really let myself sit in the deserving power of that. I sort of stayed in that, you know, I hope I'm doing a good job and always needing to your point, that sort of like external Praise, And I Mm chased that through the awards and through the profiling. And, you know, I used to really think about like, I've got to grow my Instagram following and all that stuff. And I think about that now. And, you know, I just have supreme empathy for me. I just, I feel a lot of softness around that. I'm like, I'm just really sorry that you felt like that because that's Mm -hmm. no way to sort of be in the world. And so now if I think about, you know, perhaps your question around what motivates me and how do I stay sort of like positively engaged maybe in Mm -hmm, what I'm doing. What I have created exists in service. I am a facilitator of this work and, you know, as offline evolves and through the launch of self-study, you know I am really stepping into my role as sort of conscious guide, and I coach privately, you know on Wednesdays, and that's sort of coming through now in in the coursework as well. So when I think about how do I know if I'm doing a good job, I see that through the progression of my community, like the more evolved and aware they become the more I realize that what I'm doing is good and that it is valuable and it is helping people. And a big part of what we explore actually in the first course is this very thing, is how do we move out of the individualized self, the me, the want, the need, the title, the money, the, 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 and how do we shift our state of consciousness or our awareness into that more macro how can I exist in service to the need of the time? And so it's an interesting thing. My experience has been once I take my awareness off that kind of what I call not self, which is all that shit we're not, mm-hmm. and I make contact with my true self, which is a, a state of being, is how I exist in the world now, I'm actually not waking up needing the pat on the back and I'm not, I'm not sort of internally interrogating all the time. You know, I'm just Mm -hmm. sort of going, is this useful? Is this the best that I can do? Is this helping people in the way that I intended it to? How do I listen more than I actually put out there? Like I actually don't do very much on social media, I would say. And that's a big thing for me to move through as well. Like I have a bit of an issue with self-promotion. So in order for me to be a successful businesswoman, I need to really lean into, you know, (laughs) that. So this is the thing. Self-work is ever-evolving. It's always on. Like, you know, we don't, like, reach enlightenment or Hmm. there's no end point. There's no completion. It's just always, always on. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And I guess, like, I have been thinking a lot about that. Like, what's the point? Of it all, you know, you start to get a little bit existential. and you know my belief is, and this is kind of what we unpack in the course is I'm offering my truth for you to feel into whether it might be true to you as well. But part of the line of questioning I present you with is the entry point to your own self-reflection so you can discover what your truth is because I think so often we've been, perhaps programmed to look externally for answers. There's somebody else that's an expert. There's somebody else that's going to tell us what to do or how to do it or the one thing. <laughs> you know, nothing's ever one thing. But um, part of what I try or what I am encouraging through self-study is that sort of self-inquiry and getting to our own knowledge that we all have, but it's been suppressed through the programming. And, you know, what I, you know, and it's a big statement, but what I believe to be quite a patriarchal view of success and the way we educate and, you know, that goes on and on and on. Part of what I'm encouraging is like, you are actually your teacher and it is all Mm -hmm. inside of you. And I know that sounds like you're like, oh, fuck, no, not that again, (laughs) you know, because you kind of want to roll your eyes and be like, that can't be it. But truly, if we establish ourselves in being and we make that connection to our essence actually everything we've ever wanted or desired is in there. And then we sort of, we lose focus and attention for all that other stuff. Everything else starts to feel really irrelevant. And then going back to what I was saying about like, what's the point? This belief that, you know, we are a body of consciousness, ever evolving, innocent, you know, and we come into these bodies in this physicality to have experiences and learn lessons. And those lessons enable us to reach a new state of consciousness in a lifetime, and we keep coming back, learning, learning, learning. Sometimes we learn the same lessons all over again if we're not paying attention the first time, second time, the third time. And then you know we get to a point where we don't come back again because we've sort of we've become conscious, you know, in whatever that might look like based on what you believe. But certainly that's how I think about it. And so through that lens, how amazing to know that no experience is ever wrong, it's only relevant and that in some ways we've chosen it. Like there's a, lots of different ways you can learn different lessons. And so um, so when I think about like what's the point and what are we doing all this for, I get a lot of, um, I get very grounded around that concept of like this is the relevancy, you know what I mean? Like this is why we're mm-hmm. here and I really hope that through offline and then certainly the coursework that we'll be doing together I hope that's one of the biggest kind of aha moments is that it's all mm-hmm. for a reason. It's just how how deeply can we pay attention and how can we put our awareness on our own evolution and the evolution of all things versus the getting and the acquisition of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that. And it's incredibly freeing actually to think about it in that way that we choose to be in these situations and we have these experiences and it's just so we can learn and evolve. And it's as simple as that versus kind of thinking about it in terms of, you know, why am I in this experience? Why is this happening to me? We actually choose these things just so that we can grow. Oh
0: yeah. It's a complete reframe on like every single situation we're presented with in life. And I think the big question for us is how aware are you going to choose to be and how quickly are you going to move through the lessons? You know, because there's a big difference in learning a lesson in not to drive fast by getting a speeding ticket or running someone over. Mm -hmm. Like that's the extremity of it, right? But like there's different ways to learn lessons. And so the more aware we are, I think the softer the lessons come to us because we're in that place of seeking. And I think this is that big thing about awareness is we have a choice as to where we put it. And if we put it on our individualized self and how much money we're earning and what our job title's called and what people think of us and how many Instagram followers we have, I think the lessons are going to come pretty hard and fast and they're going to hurt because it's going to take a lot to really wake us up. But if we are living in a state of awareness and in that more macro like you know, why am I here? And like, what am I? What is uniquely beautiful and good about me? And what is the shape of my individual energy? And how might I serve people and meet the need of the time? I think the lessons are more just these gentle, sort of like beautiful brushes where you're like, oh, got it. Cool. I'm going to quickly understand that this experience has been given to me for a reason. So I'm going to really, you know, reflect on what I've learned here and then I'm going to move on. Versus to yeah. your point, staying in that very victim mentality of like, bad things always happen to me. And of course this is happening to me. And it's about finding the relevancy of every experience. But I don't mean that to say, you know, we're not going to be in pain and we're not going to like, you know, there's going to be some suffering, but I think that's that big choice we make is like the pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and you know like I say this in the course like I still suffer I'm not sitting here saying like I just you know bad things happen to me and I'm like got the lesson thanks bye like I you know of course yeah. I wallow and I you know it hurts yeah. but I'd like to think that I'm moving into evolution faster yeah
2: yeah I totally subscribe to that and I always think about the idea that things in our life are never happening to us they're happening for us and i think that when we do run into those challenges i believe that sometimes that's helping to get us like back on the path we need to be on or helping to guide us on the path we need to be on and you know i've even experienced that and maybe you have in your journey of when you left your job and what you've done with your work now but i remember One example was when I was getting ready to leave my last corporate job that I was in, things kept happening to make it less and less aligned with the way that I wanted to be in the world and the life that I wanted to have. And it kept getting harder and harder and worse and worse so that it pushed me out so hard. I could have left before and not had that suffering and not had that I don't know, misalignment so strongly. But I've felt that several times in my life where it's like, if you don't listen to that little voice that you know maybe is guiding you and telling you, they'll just get bigger and bigger. And that's where you you see some more of that stuff that feels more like suffering, but it's all happening for us. So I love that you said Mm. that and it really resonated with me.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. It's funny, isn't it? And I feel exactly the same. Like I would have said to you, I used to really have to like, I had to hit the bottom of the bottom to learn, you know,
1: mm-hmm. it'd be after
0: the worst of the worst thing for me to be yeah. like a punch <laughs> in the face of like, okay, I've got it. And that's really the promise I've made to myself is that I stay supremely aware and so mm-hmm. that I move through things when they're in their early iteration. And And this is very Vedic, right? But like this concept of creation, maintenance and destruction And we are like, this is the way cosmic intelligence organizes itself. And we're always in one of those phases and they kind of exist together as well. And so destruction is when nature is saying, come on, like it's time to evolve. Like this isn't serving you anymore. It's not relevant anymore. Let's go. That could be jobs, relationships, friendships, whatever it might be. Ways of like unsustainable lifestyles, I would say. And then when the destruction comes, often it happens to us, right? And so we're like, you lost my job or my partner broke up with me or, you know, suffering loss. And then it moves us into creation and into evolution and into sort of self-inquiry. And, and then we go back into maintenance because everything feels good again. And we feel really comfortable and we like maintenance. So we stay there. Mm-hmm. And so part of the sort of thinking around it is, can we almost not avoid destruction, because it's going to come in any way that's relevant for us. But can we be so aware that destruction is there? And so if there's ways that we can proactively move ourselves into creation, that's really how I live my life is perhaps a little bit of like creative forecasting to be like, Mm -hmm. and you know, right, like I had this actually with offline where, you know, I am creative. I love creating. And so I got to 60 episodes and I was like, I love this, but now I can do it with my eyes shut. You know, I'm not saying the interviews I can do with my eyes shut because they challenge me all the time, but the producing and the editing and the launching of episodes. And so part of what that niggling thing was is like, it's time to move back into creation. So, what else are you going to offer? What's the need? And who are you going to serve and how are you going to do it? And then sitting with that and off we go again. So, and that's exciting to think about. Like, it just keeps going, right? Like, not done. It mm-hmm.
1: You mentioned earlier on when you first started offline how you had to get really vulnerable, and even the people close to you were getting to know you at a much deeper level because of that authenticity and just getting raw and vulnerable. And, you know, that's something that I can relate to from doing our own podcast is, you know, I'm finding myself opening up a lot more, and it Can be really uncomfortable, especially at first. How have you grown from being vulnerable?
0: Well, I've grown a lot. Like when I hear myself in season one, which I can't even do now because I don't like (laughs) self-torture. So I don't go back to listen. (laughs) Uh, It's always interesting when listeners say, Oh, I just found your podcast and I'm so excited. There's, you know, four seasons, five seasons. And, I'm going to listen from the beginning. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, and I always (laughs) say to them, like, you know, check back in when you're done because you'll hear me change, not change. You'll hear me evolve and you'll hear me rapidly processing and you'll hear my line of questioning change. You'll hear the way I respond change and evolve and my selection of guests, like my decision-making around who is deserving of a microphone that was a really big moment for me. Really checking my privilege was a big growth moment for me. I looked at season one and I was still, I think I just finished work maybe as I was coming to like have half that season ready at least or three quarters. And my 2IC, who's still my kind of partner in crime and helps me with anything new, Mandy, I said to her, gosh, this is very white. You know, there's a lot of, you know, beautiful, talented, hardworking, but privileged white influencers here. And so it made me go, okay, well, you are the company you keep in a way and how do I make this more diverse but not to tick a box around diversity? How do I actually, like, who isn't listening to this and why aren't they listening? Probably because they don't see themselves or hear themselves and their stories. And so this is where the journalistic integrity comes through to say, I need to get uncomfortable. I need to start surrounding myself with different types of people that have different opinions to me and different life experiences in order to present the audience with a very well-rounded set of honest conversations. And so that was very growing for me. Like that was a moment of just um, how long have I been like this for? (laughs) You know what I mean? How much of my leadership and my employment strategy and yeah, the way I'd recruit, was it through that lens of like what the shape of this team should look like quite literally? And so that's been probably some of the best self-work I've done is just understanding what my role is as a facilitator and the responsibility I have if I have a microphone and I now have a beautiful, you know, big audience that, you know, deserves all parts of this. and. My hope has been that I become, I guess, a bit of a conduit to their own, the opening of their minds as well. Like through my guest selection, I hope that they see that, you know, this is where some good stories are and this is where we're going to learn. I've really resisted, you know, the people that we've been perhaps programmed to want to hear from you know, the ones that have that high profile, that have been on the speaking circuit, that do a lot of podcast interviews, I've been really motivated around going, well, what happens if I didn't interview them, mm-hmm. you know, um, and mm-hmm. I actually, yeah, interviewed people who have extremely valuable stories and are going to move us into evolution. So I think this is the beautiful thing and you guys are doing it with audio is it exists, right? And yeah. you say stuff that a year later, you're like, I don't fucking believe that now, <laughs> And I (laughs) I said that that and, you know, I think that that's what we ask our audience permission for is to allow us to evolve and change our minds and that, you know, I am learning right alongside you and so I'm not always going to get it right. But then I even think me even saying that is that kind of self-preservation piece because it's so exposing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. out there, said this thing and then people put a stake in the ground about who you are and and what you believe in. And I think a lot of people never speak because we're almost silent the moment that we do. And so that's been a big period of growth, I guess, as well is just, you know, when I was getting more listeners and more feedback and, you know, like criticism, I hadn't really experienced that before because I was so praised in my old role. Mm -hmm. I was like, what's this? Someone doesn't agree (laughs) (laughs) oh this feels weird in my body big learning there in just like whatever criticism somebody has for you and I know you guys know this you're very evolved people it's an in fact like a reflection of how they feel about themselves I think particularly with women who are seen to be in a position of privilege out there sharing their ideas that might not be mainstream People don't like that because if we don't ask for permission, the first thing they want to do is pull us down. And if it doesn't kind of fit that sort of what we've been subscribed to know to be true and the pathways that we get influence and if it's different to that, you know, Australia has a very deep history of tall poppy. And particularly I think for senior women and women in the public, you don't get an opportunity in this country to get it wrong. Maybe once or twice, but then they'll come for you, you know? And it's this interesting thing because as I was becoming more, my story was becoming more public, I found myself withdrawing. I stopped sharing as much. I stopped getting as vulnerable because I felt like I couldn't protect myself. But then, you know, I'm learning that this is the work for me to do. This is where I really got to lean into the uncomfortability and say no i'm asking my guests for their vulnerability so i got to show i got to show my own there's some parts of my personal life that i'm still processing and so they are not for public forum and i've learned a lot about my boundaries around what is deserving of airtime and what is deserving of me just needing to actually personally process it before i talk about it so i've gotten much better at that versus me just being like blah mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <got> <laughs> um, so yeah
2: I'm wondering how did you I guess more tactically broaden those that you were bringing into the podcast those that you were bringing you know into your metaphorical circle to have those different viewpoints to have the diversity that you spoke about I ask because I think that you know it can be applied to so many different parts of our lives and so many of us I'll, I'll say you know from my perspective and those I've spoken to feel like I want to do that, but like, how do we do it? And I remember even, you know, working in tech prior to this, it was something we always talked about, but there wasn't ever a lot of progress in actually doing it. So I wonder, Mm -hmm. how did you do that?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think so valuable for us to talk about it because when we are in a position of privilege and we are the majority It is very exposing to want to try and rectify that in some way. And we talk about like being an ally.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But how do we do that and get that right without being shot down for trying? Mm -hmm. I think that's sad in itself, isn't it? That we silence ourselves out of being scared that we're going to get it wrong. So, how are we ever going to achieve equality and inclusion and diversity if the people who hold the majority feel too scared to speak. And I don't say that as a poor us. I'm like, it's fucked. I think it is just, it is what it is. But, you know, my response to that and certainly the way I've approached it is I have asked the questions of the people who identify to be in those more minority groups. Help me. Mm -hmm. How do I get this right? What is it that, you know, we need to be talking about? And I think the big thing is, If somebody identifies as a minority or somebody who is underrepresented, it actually, they don't need me or my big white platform. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All I need to do is share what they're doing and how to find Mm -hmm. them and how to access their work. So Mm -hmm. I think it is about reframing the agenda behind having a guest on. You know what I mean? Like I talk a lot about the shape of a season. Mm -hmm. And I mean that as in the literal shape. What does it even look like? You know, and I have to catch Mm -hmm. myself in the moment if I'm like, not diverse enough, but also like not interesting enough, therefore, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I do spend a lot of time on what I call programming. So it's very intentional, the guests I release, when I release them, at what time I release them, in what order I release them. So it's about always having enough really interesting, diverse conversations in the bank, as you guys know. So that, you know, and there's always a time where that conversation is supremely relevant and mm-hmm. then sometimes not so relevant as well. Yeah. So, um, so you know, that can be more time intensive, but that's the way I choose to do it. And I'm even mm-hmm. thinking about like what moving to fortnightly releases might look like because mm-hmm. in order for me to stay integrous and to produce my best work, I need more time. And so trying to like meet this weekly thing that we've been told, you know, how to start a good podcast, you must release weekly. So that Apple podcast sees you as a legitimate creator and it's all about consistency to get promoted, blah, blah, blah. And again, it's like, okay, so we just subscribe once again and off we go on the hamster wheel of just like content for content's sake. So I've been thinking heaps about like, well, what do I need now? You know what I mean? In order for me to produce the best of what I've got. I need a little bit more time, but I actually, I mean, I've started the season. I haven't decided, so I better decide this week. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be too late. But yeah, long way of saying, I think it's about consulting the people that you believe are missing from the conversation and asking them what does representation look like to them? And could you be a co-facilitator or an ally to exposing some of what is not spoken about? um, And how do you actually use your platform to get people to theirs versus have them on as this kind of like look at me i've done the right thing by having xyz on my podcast because really i think it has to be more than an episode you know that's part of what yeah. i think about when i'm creating is this isn't about just like putting out episodes and having these honest conversations it's you know i really want people to reframe the way they think about things and i want them to think more deeply and after i have that guest on i want them to go follow that guest and engage in that guest work and support that guest mm-hmm. and oftentimes that means having guests on that might not bring in big numbers
1: mm-hmm.
0: because the majority and the mass is not subscribed to minority groups say or you know people who don't have 500,000 instagram followers and they might not be known so you know part of the way i've led offline is i have sacrificed reach Mm-hmm. as a metric of success in order to produce work that's more closely aligned to the essence of, of who I am. And I am excited actually, because I've decided to do one of the courses I'm going to do through self-study is intentional podcasting. Love it. So this is the thing: is like, well, I've got the runs on the board, so now I can teach it and I'm going to go and do that.
1: Amazing. So with self-study and offline, the Kind of key thing that comes out is this idea of being your true self. What does that mean to you, being your true self?
0: Mm-hmm. So interesting because, you know, this is the question I ask each of my guests at the end of my own podcast. And mm-hmm. I have been asked it a few times recently. And I was asked it in January. It must have been 2019. I did an episode. At, it was a live episode recording and one of my best friends interviewed me in front of an audience of about 50 women. And um, it's the first time I'd been sort of interviewed in a long time. And and I didn't know she was going to ask me. She asked me that question. I was like, dull. I don't know. <laughs> um, But I was kind of still like at that point, I'd done one season of the podcast and True Self was still a concept to me then. And now I can sit here and tell you that true self is embodied. It is a state of being. It is the way I exist in the world. And part of what we go through in the first course is trying to get this understanding that our true self isn't like something we find, like it's not lost and it's not this character that exists outside of us it is us before anything else. And so it is this kind of patient witness. And in the course, I talk a lot about witness consciousness and what it means to move into that role of observation of what's going on versus participating and reacting. And so when I think about my true self now, I don't know whether I'd actually like have a set of words that describe it. I think the way it comes through for me now is just maintaining contact with the essence of who I am. And making sure that I am really an expression of my individual energy, something I know really well, that I'm accessing my unique gifts, and that I'm meeting the need of the time with those two things. And so that's how I think about true self now. It's it just feels like it's the totality of everything. It's me sitting here now. It's me creating. It's me and my marriage. It's me, and my family, and my friendships. It's just a state of being and a way that um, I'm in the world. But then I will say, I'm still proud of the words I used back then when it felt like a concept still, because they still feel true to me, which is supreme nurture, you know, and having this seeking energy. Like, I'm really thankful that I'm here this time with all the knowledge that I have and that you know, really in my twenties, I started to clock this sort of concept of self-exploration. So what a gift to me that I've got most of my life in inquiry versus the opposite, which we can go our whole lives. And I'm sure I've had many of those lifetimes where I'm just, you know, completely externally referenced and, you know, take all of my cars and my houses to the grave. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not true for me this time. And this is the other thing, right, is Part of what I want to start talking a little bit more about on self study is this concept of like money and wealth and abundance, right? And again, like also, like there's this sort of like a Western spirituality thing rolling around, and that's sort of manifesting itself in a bit of like white capitalism as well, you know, when we talk (laughs) about abundance. And so that's really hard. But like my experience has been, you know, the more connected I am to my essence, the less I want. But so, how do we stay positively motivated to earn money? And not to acquire things like houses and cars and shoes, but to invest in our conscious businesses like offline. So mm-hmm. that's a really interesting reframe of like, like our deserving power, like how do we get that currency in so that we can push it back out again to be, you know, serving people. But I'm very keen to explore that because I think our money stories are a bit muddled at the moment. We don't really know, nor it's a generalization, but a lot of us don't really know Like how much do we need to earn? Do I care about earning? Of course I care about earning. Do I need to buy a house? Do I not need to buy a house? Like all of these things, but I hope I can offer a bit of a reframe of like our relationship with money and what it might enable us to do.
2: Yeah. And what do we want to do with our money? I think there's so much programming in terms of this is what the path of life of success looks like. Like Get the house, get the x, y, z, and just taking a step back and thinking about like, do I want that, and if I have money, what do I really want to spend it on that feels natural for me so I think that that makes no, a lot of sense,
0: yeah, I talk about that in the course. I think you know, well, I know the term I use is like it's like a um conscious currency, mm-hmm. and so this is like the frequency of it, right? Like nature will support you. If your endeavor is evolutionary to yourself and all things, you will get Mm -hmm. your funding. You will earn a lot of money if that's relevant for you this time. I think it might be relevant for me, actually. I'm just going to say it now. I need to get more money so that I can help more people. Like, what a beautiful place to be creating from. And it doesn't feel dirty or weird to me like, you know, it kind of used to. But then, what is our role in that kind of like cosmic exchange, right? So, if we've gotten this currency in based on this beautifully additive work that we're doing, then we've got to keep pushing it out there. And so that's that big thing of like, give the thing you want to get more of. Mm -hmm. And so I tell you every time money hits my bank account, it's I'm straight out, I'm donating, I'm like supporting the businesses that I believe in. Mm -hmm. That is the exchange. And I think it's staying in that Mindset of probably what I probably refer more to as abundant mindset than actually yeah. abundant in things. Yeah, it's staying in that mindset of this, all all I'm responsible for is keeping it flowing. Yeah, and so in order for it to flow, I've got to push it back out for it to come back in. Yes, but we will be supported if our intention is evolutionary and out of individualized self.
2: Yeah. You've given us a lot of kind of tidbits and different highlights of self-study. Can you talk about self-study as a whole to give people a little bit more information on what it looks like and and what it is?
0: Yeah. So the way I'm speaking about it is a conscious school. So ironically, my podcast is called Offline and I'm now asking you to get online. (laughs) to learn. And I guess when I say learn, I mean self-inquiry, self-exploration, mm-hmm. self-reflection. And so what had happened with offline is, you know, it connected with hundreds of thousands of women in a way that I never expect. And I think that's the thing is when we create from the heart, again, we are supported. Mm-hmm. And so I began to listen to the audience. So that's beautiful because they listened to me and then I was like, oh no, i definitely need to listen to you what do you need? Like, what has this helped you move through? And then how can I continue to be a resource to you? I started thinking about, you know, we're very oversubscribed to traditional ideals of success. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean quite patriarchal ideals of success is very masculine, you know, it's mm-hmm. sort like of getting and being and acquiring. And wanting to be at that table. And I'm like, we don't want to be at that table. We just <laughs> done our own bloody tables. <laughs> and so we're oversubscribed to that. And that's no fault of our own. That's just how we've been programmed and conditioned. But we're undersubscribed to self. And so, what would it look like if I created something that complemented those more traditional pathways of education? I've been thinking a lot about self learning is self-empowerment in many ways and how beautiful that we have the technology and the platforms available for us to take our education into our own hands based on what feels relevant to us at any given time and what feels true and get on and, and keep learning and, and have that seeking energy always. And so self-study really came out of me thinking about how else could I be useful here and how could I help empower women and educate women and that they could do that on their own terms at their own time. because the other thing is we're so subscribed to deadlines and like gotta do this, tick that box, I finish that course in one day, go me, no. Like part of what I'm offering is study at your own pace. so the courses you buy them once, you get all of the content at once. And then you move through that self-study at your own time. Like the course I've just put out my first one, which is called Make Contact with Your True Self, Align to Your Purpose and Redefine Success. Like it's no small thing. Like yeah, a, the title huge is things. like, it's a huge thing. And so the feedback I've had so far is, you know, there's five lessons, but the knowledge that I share in each lesson, there's an intensity and a depth to it that requires us to kind of take it one step at a time. And then I've had people that are going back to the first lesson when they hit the fifth lesson because like, fuck, now I can't. Now this makes more sense. So it's about Mm -hmm. sort of like being with the content as long as it's relevant and giving yourself permission to go really slow. Like I would say no more than a lesson a day. I mean, I would even say maybe a lesson a week might feel good because there's a lot of um, self-reflection exercises So this particular course, it's a mix of video and of course, audio. So people know my voice, but it's been so beautiful to be on screen Mm -hmm. for some of the lessons. And then each lesson has its own self-reflection worksheet. And then, yeah, my beautiful husband is a creative director. So he has been team offline, working for offline, (laughs) unpaid, (laughs) (laughs) paid in love and thanks and food and dinners and but he has created really beautiful editable PDFs. And what I love about that is, you know, we are doing a lot of our work on the computer, on the laptop, on the phone. And so giving ourselves permission to answer the questions one way and then be like, oh no, that's not how I think at all. Because a big part of what we go through in the self-study courses is a shedding. Mm -hmm. You know, you might feel a little bit of, I can't describe it any other way other than death, Mm -hmm. like death of ideas. Death of ideologies you subscribe to, death of ideals, you know. So there is a heaviness to it, but also a lot of joy and, you know, opportunities for um enlightenment. I certainly hope. And so this first course, you know, it sits in what I call the I have four home rooms. So true self, leadership, communication, and strategy. And I'll be creating courses into those different homerooms. My intention is to move deep into my expertise, which is authentic leadership, intentional podcasting, conscious strategy, all the things that I've been doing for the last 15 years. But with True Self, I'm excited to invite other teachers onto the platform to share their knowledge and their expertise by way of different bodies of knowledge and spiritual practices that will help us explore self. But the first one comes from me because it's everything I know to be true and everything I've learned. And it's very foundational spiritual knowledge. And the thing is, like I've spent a lot of money doing a lot of different courses and I've studied different, you know, philosophies extensively. And it's really expensive
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there's a lot out there. And so what I figured out about my own unique gifts is I have an ability to distill lots of information in a way that women particularly enjoy it and understand it. And that was a big ambition: was creating a connected learning experience. So, you know, the audio lessons sound like episodes of offline, and the video lessons have beautiful sort of graphics and shadow work, and my music's in there. So it's a really beautiful learning experience, versus sometimes we can go onto e learning platforms and it's just a bit like, daggy <laughs> mm-hmm. and just a bit uninspiring. It's like depressing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> totally.
0: And so this is definitely the opposite of that, where it feels like a very sort of intentional, you know, I'll say branded experience where what you have come to know from me and offline sort of extends now into the learning space. But I'm excited. Like, you know, my goal is to have a course out, you know, every other month at least. And, um, I guess that's a question I would ask to your audience and anyone that this might feel relevant for is what do you need? And, you know, I'll go and like find it and put it together and do it in a way that makes us feel really seen and heard. And, and that's certainly my intention. So, um, so I'm really excited because I feel like I'm deep in like evolution and creation and I'm really tired, you know, (laughs) like it's been a whole year and just, really leaning into like my own limiting beliefs about what I'm capable of creatively. Like I went and I built that fucking website, you know, I was mm-hmm. just like, you can do this, you know, this, like I've launched global media brands. I've worked with dev teams on every single part of the back end. So I'm like, you know, so just, you know, apply yourself. And so it's been so beautiful to actually birth something that's had only my hands on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to check it out. It sounds so amazing. Oh, thank you. I hope you um yeah, I hope it helps you. That's my intention. I hope it helps women particularly on their way, but it is for everyone, you know. Like this knowledge is not just for just for us chicks. It's it's changed the way I experience myself and experience the world, and I do believe that certainly the first course I've created has the opportunity for other people to experience that shift in consciousness.
1: Well, there's one question that we ask all of our guests and that is what life experience have you had that has been your greatest teacher? Mm,
0: That's a really good question. You know, I just want to go straight to like anytime anything has been hard and like chunky and dark, they have been my biggest opportunities for evolution. If I get specific about it, certainly my relationship with loss and particularly pregnancy loss and experiencing grief in all of its different shapes and the way it comes and flows and goes away and comes back. And I think that's been um, probably the most growing experience I've had. And I guess reflecting on what we first started talking about was having this deep understanding that every experience I have is relevant to my own evolution. And so pregnancy loss and, you know, being challenged on that, like with fertility, and I'm still kind of getting around how I'm talking about that, it's relevant for me. And I feel a bit of sadness for myself because I'm like, no, that can't be right. This is not my story. But I think part of the piece I found is going again, well, how how quickly are you going to move into acceptance and surrender versus how long are you going to stay in suffering and why is this happening to me and I'm this victim? Because all of this knowledge, this spiritual knowledge, this self-inquiry, it only exists in its embodiment. So we can know all of this spiritual stuff and spout it and be like, oh yeah, I'm so great. I know all this stuff. But unless we're actually getting opportunities and experiences that allow us to embody the knowledge and experience the knowledge, then it's useless. And so I have been thinking a lot about loss and going, wow, what an amazing opportunity for me to put this work into practice. And so that is making me a better coach, a better teacher, a better leader, a better creator. And so it's just the most relevant thing for me because I think partly my reflection is because I am evolving so rapidly, this is the thing like the more we elevate our state of consciousness and the more we do this work, oftentimes the harder things become And that doesn't—I don't want that to be a deterrent to anyone to be like, "Oh, I'll just stay in my individualized self and my not self, where everything, you know, feels happy and fine." But it is true to say that, you know, the more access we have to this knowledge and the more understanding we have, then our experiences will meet us at that frequency, and so that's kind of terrifying sometimes because you're like, "Oh, what else is coming for me?" (laughs) But we, we have the tools and the resources, and. The belief system, right? To be able to move through it and and move into acceptance. So yeah, I would say that's probably been my biggest sort of teacher, what's taught me the most certainly about the existence of things and the relevancy of things. And um, I'm sure there'll be others. And this is like my old CEO gave me the best. I mean, he gave me lots of advice, but um, he said it to me once really early on in my leadership career. He said, stop being surprised. And at the time I was like, shut up. <laughs> you know, when people like this person resigned, or this person sexually assaulted someone at the Christmas party, or this person, I've got a fire, or all those things like anything can happen as a leader. And I feel like I've experienced it all. And he would just say, Stop being surprised. And I liken that now to these experiences that we have. It's like, you know, this feels hard now, but it's going to get harder, and there's going to be other things. But now I won't be like a deer in headlights. It's kind of this beautiful process of going, oh, okay, come on. Let's have you then. (laughs) Let's go. I'm ready. So I feel quite equipped in that sense.
2: It's like, what am I going to get out of this next experience? Yeah, Yeah. this is
0: relevant. This is relevant for me. So I've got to move to find the relevancy and move into acceptance and surrender and, you know, that final piece on letting go, which... I always recommend anyone to read David Hawkins's book *Letting Go*. It's a very dense read, so definitely try the audio book. <laughs> I had to switch because I was like, "I just need, uh, I need some help with it." But it provides you with a um, a technique of how to allow feelings in, so pain, suffering, loss, grief, anxious, anything, shame, embarrassment how to allow it in. And then he gives you a technique you can apply to kind of hold those feelings lovingly and then just let them go. And it sounds simple, but you know, obviously in practice it's, it's much more complex, but it's a really good book. It's just um, one, I would just say, just stick with it because it's worth it. But halfway through you'll want to give up.
2: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. That was really beautiful. That's my pleasure. And Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for being on. This was an incredible conversation that I feel like will help a lot of people.
0: Oh, I hope so. And thank you for extending the invitation. Like I said, I haven't really done this certainly in a long time. And so it's actually felt really beautiful to finally share.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Allison, for sharing that. It was so beautiful. And I've gotten so much out of this conversation. How can people find you if they want to sign up for self study or listen to your podcast? Yes. Well, they can
0: go to the bloody website I built.
2: <laughs> 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 They're bare
0: hands. There's bare hands. A lot of um 2 a.m. finishes trying to change a fucking color on a page. So the website is getoffline.co and there's a page called study. And then there's some pretty directive ways on there to be able to either explore the first course. So I take you through a little bit about what's sort of what to expect, or there's a way that you can just go ahead and purchase it. And then as I build in more courses, they'll all be available at, yeah, it'll be getoffline.co forward slash study and then yeah I recently changed the Instagram which you know is a big move changed Instagram name Mm -hmm. but you know that whole saying on um, start where you'd like to finish and so I thought it was a really good time just to sort of change the intention of what this isn't a podcast you know offline is a self-development platform that has a podcast it has a conscious school it has experiences so the Instagram is also getoffline.co and
1: I am on Alison Larson Rice great. And we'll link all of that in the show notes as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe. So you never miss a show.